0: Oh, hallelujah. Verse 20 again, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but wasn't manifest before the foundation or during that 4,000 years, but was manifest in these last times for you. Say, for me. for me. I crossed you out in my Bible and I wrote John. He was manifest for John. Remember, God does not see the world in a box or in a pool. God sees every single individual. God sees you. Right now, he knows your thoughts. Right now, he's thinking about you. Right now, you are very, very important to him. Verse 21, who by him do believe in God. By Jesus, you believe in God. That raised him, Jesus, from the dead and gave him glory. That your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto pure love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Listen to this in the New Living, beginning with verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. Hallelujah. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins. You were cleansed from your sins. You were cleansed from your sin. When were you cleansed from your sin? When you believed on Him. When you believed on Jesus, you got cleansed from your sin. So, what's the answer? Don't stop believing. Come on now, don't stop believing. You don't believe when you show up to church on Sunday. You don't believe when you get the last rites in a hospital bed. You, if you become a believer, then it's your responsibility to believe every single day. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters, love each other deeply with all your heart, for you have been born again, but not to life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Verse 23 in the King James says, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Hallelujah. You've been born again by the word and cleansed by the blood. I said you've been born again by the word and cleansed by the blood. Oh, the blood will never lose its power. Romans chapter 3 Glory to God, there is eternal power that flows from heaven. It's called the blood of Christ. That blood will never lose its power. That blood is all powerful. That blood is more powerful than your sin. If you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling like you're the worm of the dust, I've got good news for you this morning. The gospel says that Jesus was made a worm for you. Jesus suffered for you. You don't need to suffer anymore. Condemnation will cause you to suffer. Judgment will cause you to suffer. But the Word of God says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Oh, you've been redeemed. You've been bought. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, Of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned. How many? How many? All the Hebrews had sinned. But when they put faith in that Passover lamb. And they put faith in that blood that was shed. And then they acted on that. And they took the hyssop. And they painted the blood on the doorpost. Now their faith in the blood caused death to pass right by them death couldn't touch them. And if you'll put faith in the blood of Jesus, death cannot touch you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. By what? What is grace? Unmerited favor. It's a gift of God. You're justified not by your works, not how many rosaries you pray, not how long you pray, not how many candles you light, not how much money you give, not how much Bible you read, not how much you pray. You're justified by His blood. It's a gift of God. It's the grace of God. This is the year of the great manifestation and revelation of the grace of God. Being justified freely by this grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation, the atoning victim. He was the victim. He was the Lamb of God. And now through faith in His blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission, the passing over of sins that are passed through the forbearance or the mercy and long-suffering of our great and wonderful God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just. Oh, he's just. And he's the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So what should you do? You don't take hyssop and put it into a lamb's blood, you don't use hyssop anymore. Hyssop was a representation under the old covenant of that which is natural. Now under the new covenant we have a different instrument and it's called our tongue. You are justified by the words that you say. When you say the word of God you receive the results that come from God. You don't take the hyssop and take that blood of the lamb or try to get some blood or or even some oil. All you got to do is use the tongue, which is that hyssop. It is that paintbrush. And you begin to paint your problem, your situation, your issue with the blood of Jesus. You put that blood on your doorpost. You put that blood on your children. You put that blood on your finances. You put that blood everywhere. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 9. Oh, the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. If it wasn't for that blood, there'd be no remission of sins. As I just said a moment ago, the things in the Old Testament were a type and a shadow of the things in the New Testament. The things in the Old Testament were natural, practical, carnal, physical. The things in the New Testament are spiritual. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Oh, the Lord's helping us this morning. To Him be all the glory. To Him be all the praise. To Him be all the majesty. Oh, we worship Him. We bless His holy name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hebrews 9, verse 1. Then verily the first covenant, that's the old covenant, had old ordinances. Well, that makes sense. Of divine service. And a worldly sanctuary. What does that mean? Well, we're about to find out in a moment that there is a worldly sanctuary, or was, and there is a spiritual sanctuary. Where is that sanctuary? It's in heaven. We talk about the mercy seat that was in Herod's temple, that was in Solomon's temple, that was in the temple that they erected in the wilderness. There was a mercy seat. There is a mercy seat in heaven. There were cherubims of gold that were in that mercy seat. There are cherubims in heaven. There were earthly physical instruments of worship, a knife and different instruments. Those instruments are also in heaven. You'll see them. For there was a tabernacle made the first, wherein was a candlestick. And the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, or called holy, the holy. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about the gold, wherein was the gold, golden pot that had manna. What is manna? Bread. Representing what? The word of God. And Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly, now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. The priests would go in regularly to the first tabernacle and that's where they would kill animals and they would make sacrifice. Then further along was the holiest of all. That was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was and the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God inhabited. To get into the holiest of all, you had to go through A 40-foot curtain that was 4 inches thick. And only one person went in there. And that was the high priest. And he only went in there after he killed an animal for himself, for his sins. Tied a rope around his ankle with a bell. Because if for whatever reason he had sin in his life, when he went into the presence of God, he would drop Dead. And if anybody else went in to get him, guess what? So they had to take the rope and pull his dead carcass out because you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God with sin. And there's only one thing, say one one thing, that can pay the price for that sin, and that's the blood. It's not your rosary. It's not your prayer list. It's not your fasting. It's not whatever dedication that you do in the earth. It's the blood and the blood alone. Verse 8 the Holy Ghost, this, well, back up to verse 7 one more time. And under the second went the high priest alone once every year, and not without blood. He had to make blood sacrifice for himself which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost was signifying that the way into the holiest of all. What's the holiest of all? The presence of the Lord. The presence of God. Where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the the Ten Commandments were, where the Word of God was, that's the holiest of all. And was not yet made manifest. The way had not yet been made. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure or a comparison or representation for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. It was an outward covering. You understand? God would see the blood and he would accept the blood. It was an outward covering. Now the covering is no longer blood on the outside. Now it's blood on the inside. Amen. Oh, some, two of you got this. The rest of you are going to get it in a minute in the name of Jesus. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, all carnal natural stuff, ordinances imposed of them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls and of goats and calves, but by His own blood, entered in once, oh, glory to God, in the holy place. He went into the holy place. He went into the holy place. What Went into the holy place. It was the blood. It was the blood. The blood was sprinkled in the holy place. And what does that blood represent? It's the sinless, spotless blood of the Lamb that now wouldn't just atone our sins, but it would remove our sins. The Bible says that in that day, I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. I'll cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Verse 13 again. Let's all put our eyes on it. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, it would sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, the natural, how much more? Say it with me. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Oh, hallelujah. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression, the the sin that were under the first covenant, They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance, eternal life. If you're born again, you're not going to get eternal life. You already got eternal life. I said you already got eternal life. For where a testament or a covenant is, a promise, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament, if I leave my will to my wife, I leave a, a ten million dollar life insurance policy. Ten million, okay. Twenty million. Amen. All right, hundred million. Amen. And I die, and, and and she wants that money. She can't get that money unless I die. You got, you can't kill me either. Unless I die, she can't get my will you can't get the will of someone until they have died. Jesus is the first one to have died and then come back to mediate his own will. Usually, grandma or dad or sister would mediate the will of the one who died and say this amount to you, that amount to you, that amount to you, but the one who died, he's now come back himself and he's the one who's dishing out eternal life. Oh, glory to God. Verse 18, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to the people according to the law or the word of God, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled, the hyssop's the paintbrush, sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood, both the the building, the tabernacle, and all the instruments or vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It was therefore necessary, the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What's that better sacrifice? Jesus, the Lamb of God. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. If you're born again, you are in Christ. Praise God.